Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 853. Well, our show is about birds and conservation, recognizing that you really can't have the first one without the other one. And we have some good conservation news this morning from a place that is not always the source of good news. That would be Washington, D.C., where the White House has announced they're undertaking two big restorations. And I don't mean of the state dining room. I mean environmental Restorations. The first one restores environmental reviews for big projects like highways and pipelines. And those reviews had been scaled back by the Trump administration in a bid to fast-track the projects. But the reviews are coming back. The Council on Environmental Quality will accept comments on them through late November. That rule change expected to become final early next year. The second one is about President Biden's announcement that he will restore protections to three major national monuments that had been stripped away by the previous administration. The action will reinstate and slightly expand the original 1.3 million acre boundaries of Bears Ears National Monument and restore the original 1.8 million acre boundaries of Grand Staircase Escalante, both in Utah. It will also resume protections for the Atlantic Ocean's first marine monument, the Northeast Canyons and Seamounts off the New England coast. The preceding administration had sharply reduced the size of all three of those national monuments and opened them to mining and drilling and development, but now all of that has been reversed. I would like to pass along the word that the latest issue of one of our favorite bird magazines is now available. It's Bird Observer, based in New England, but featuring stories of interest no matter where you are. Among the articles in the new issue are these. The importance of counting shorebirds, Manomet's International Shorebird Survey. Musings from the Blind Birder about books. The At-A-Glance Bird ID Quiz and Bird-Friendly Maple Syrup. Mm. And that's all along with a beautiful Leech's Storm Petrel painting on the cover by the great bird artist John Sill with a terrific article uh, about the bird to go with it. Check it out at birdobserver.org. That's birdobserver.org. Meanwhile, we'd like to say thanks to our friend Julie Hostetter, editor and publisher of North Georgia Living magazine, for including a Talking Birds banner in the fall edition of their spectacularly beautiful publication, North Georgia Living. And thank you, Julie. And that, that is the sound of our mystery bird. This is a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along later in the show. And a reminder that if you're not hearing our show live and would like to, so that you could, for example, enter our mystery bird contest... Just go to TalkingBirds.com and you'll see how to do it. It's very easy. Our live broadcast, by the way, is on Sunday mornings, 9.30 to 10 Eastern. 
Our mystery bird is a fast and powerful flyer, mostly dark brown above, pale brown below with a dark hooked bill and big wing patches that are visible in flight. Part one of our seagoing bird's nicknames is the same as that of a Major League Baseball team, the one in Pittsburgh, and its flight is kind of like that of a National Football League team. That would be the one in Atlanta. These are pretty good hints, I think. Our mystery bird is known to rob seabirds of fish they've caught, will also devour small birds it catches on the wing, and it preys on chicks and even adults in breeding colonies of smaller seabirds. Clues there for our mystery bird contest. We have some beautiful prizes, including this really super popular Droll Yankees observer window feeder. That's the kind that attaches right to your window, offering a clear, unobstructed view with nothing but glass between you and the birds. It holds a couple of cups of seed, fruit, or mealworms. We also have a $15 gift certificate for Beautio Books, home of one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Prizes there on our mystery bird contest and maybe more in our bonus question as well coming up uh, on this morning's show. A salute now. We're very most happy and grateful to be able to salute more folks becoming Talking Birds ambassadors. And this morning we're saying hello and thank you to three new ambassadors from the great state of Ohio. Dale G. from Uniontown, Ohio, about 50 miles south of Cleveland. Thank you so much, Dale. Thank you to Heather E., from Louisville, Ohio, another 15 miles south. Thank you, Heather. Thanks for the kind comments about the show. And thank you to Dr. Joe Blanda from Peninsula, Ohio, right in the middle of Cuyahoga National Park. And Joe says, as a recently retired physician, I'm trying to spread the word about the therapeutic benefits of nature. That's a beautiful thing. Thank you so much, Dr. Joe and Heather and Dale Thanks to the hundreds of other listeners who've become Talking Birds ambassadors, helping us to do what we're trying to do, which is just to spread the good word about the wonder of birds and the vital importance of conservation. Joining the ambassadors family, really easy. Just click on the Get Involved tab right at the top of the homepage at TalkingBirds.com. No G in talking. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with two of the founders of the Galbatross Project, and Female Bird Day. We'll also touch base with Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment. Mike is still exhausted from being on the show with David Clapp last week, so he'll appear almost live from the archive on today's show. And up next, kind of as part of today's female bird theme, a bird in which the female of the species kind of defies convention in terms of its plumage, today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. According to ancient Greek legend, when Alcyone's husband died in a shipwreck, Alcyone threw herself into the sea. The gods then transformed them both into halcyon birds. When Alcyone made her nest on the beach, waves threatened to destroy it. But Aeolus, ruler of the wind, made the waves be calm for seven days in each year so that she could lay her eggs. These times when no storms occur came to be known as the Halcyon Days. <laughs> 
And those halcyon birds are known to us now as kingfishers. The one we just heard is today's featured feathered friend, the belted kingfisher, which can be seen year-round pretty much all over the lower 48 and in summer across Canada and Alaska. The belted kingfisher looks a bit like an oversized blue jay that's been through strength training with similar coloration and a blue jay-like crest. The female belted kingfisher is more colorful than the male in addition to the wide blue band across the upper chest that both sexes display, the female also has a chestnut-colored band below the blue band. Kingfishers live near streams and rivers and ponds where they hover or perch and dive to feed on fish, as well as amphibians, reptiles, and crustaceans. They nest in burrows with the male and female taking turns with the excavation and spending up to three weeks to finish digging a burrow that's typically three to six feet deep. Belted kingfishers like to wander. They've been spotted in the Galapagos Islands, in Hawaii, the British Isles, the Azores, Iceland, Greenland, and the Netherlands. But their numbers have fallen substantially in recent years. The conservation group Partners in Flight lists them as a common bird in steep decline. And kingfishers have been around for a while, with one Florida fossil record dating back two million years. Here's hoping they keep enjoying halcyon days for a long time to come. The belted kingfisher, Megasurly alcyon, today's talking birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show number 853. Prabita Saha and Martha Harbison are co-founders of the Galbatross Project, designed to create an engaging way for everyone to get to know some of the most overlooked birds on the planet, female birds. Prabita and Martha join us right now. Good morning, Prabita, and good morning, Martha. Hey, good morning. Great. Thank you for having us on the show. Hello. And th thank you, Martha, for joining us from the big sit. I know you're busy looking at northern harriers and such there, so... Thanks for taking time, <laughs> time out. From, <laughs> if from I sound that. distracted, it's if I sound distracted, uh, that's probably what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, no. So uh, we'll start with you, Prabita. Tell us a, a bit about the Galbatross project, how it came to be. Yeah, so it was uh, inspired by an essay written by um, pro-birder and naturalist Ken Kaufman. And he basically outlined why he felt that um, there was this bias in birding against female birds. And he himself had, you know, engaged in that and kind of had this enlightening where uh, his birding practice expanded and grew so much just by giving female birds a little appreciation. Mm -hmm. So I started thinking about that more personally um, and talking to Martha and a few of our um, Audubon colleagues about it. And we decided to go to the World Series of Birding, which um, I imagine many of your listeners know about, but it's a uh, very intense 24-hour birdathon in Cape May in spring. And we knew we had no chance of winning it. <laughs> so we decided to do something wild and only count female birds during our birdathon. Hmm. And uh, yeah, we crowdsourced some names. That's how we ended up with Galbatross. Uh -huh. And uh, it was 
wonderful to see the excitement around uh, this little campaign we had for Just Female Birds. Um, and it was very warm welcome. People were extremely excited. So we decided to continue the drumbeat. Nice. Well, that was kind of leading me into a, a quote from uh, Ken Kaufman, who said, an unconscious bias against female birds is widespread in birding. So uh, a skeptic might say, uh, Prabita, well, female birds don't really care if you uh, look at them or not. So why, why should you care? What's your answer? <laughs> sure. Uh, they might not care, but in the long run, over generations, um, our people and birds are so closely linked today, uh, mainly because we share so many environments and habitats. So even if the individual bird doesn't have the consciousness to care about what we think about them, uh, our opinions do matter because it is what changes the conservation and uh, the understanding of birds mm -hmm. in the long term. Mm -hmm. Well, oh, Martha, I'll interrupt your birding again here for, for a minute. If you Tell us more about um, Female Bird Day, uh, and, you know, an annual event, or it has been so far anyway. Uh, yes, so um, we had originally planned to do another World Series, but then COVID happened. Um, mm -hmm. And so the, uh, the Galvatrosses, uh, we sat down, uh, the five of us, and we're like, well, why don't we do something that's maybe it's based on social media and that we all go out and we try and get other people to get super excited about it. It doesn't just have to be the World Series. It could be anybody in the whole world. Uh, and so we set upon um, doing it on Memorial Day weekend. Um, for those outside the U.S., that would be the last long, it'd be the sort of the last weekend in May. Mm -hmm. um, where it it's it's we call it female bird day but it really is female bird long weekend um and we really encourage people to go out and uh use the hashtag female bird day and just talk to us send us photos tell us what you're seeing um and we're hoping that people do that every basically at the end of every may during mm -hmm. uh sort of at the tail end of peak migration we picked the end of may partially because female birds, at least certain families are of, of birds, the females actually migrate slightly later than the males. So the males go up and they establish breeding territory and then the females come through a little bit later. And so we wanted to actually uh, honor that difference in phenology uh, with the females. And so we actually set it slightly after what one would consider peak migration in uh the united states mm -hmm. so getting back to that idea why why to watch female birds if they don't care there really are some big scientific reasons right for putting more emphasis on female birds Yes, actually, there's a paper that came out a couple of years ago um, that really dug into uh, one species in particular, but this actually replicates across a lot of birds. Um, the, uh, Ruth Bennett looked at um, the golden wing warbler, um, and she was looking at not the breeding grounds, but she was looking at where the birds winter um, in Costa Rica. And what... Um, understanding that female birds and male birds actually use completely different habitats down in Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. So they hang out together when they're up in North America, but when they go to Central America, they're actually, the males um, will use uh, higher higher elevations and females use lower elevations. Um, so completely separate. Mm -hmm. 
but the conservation plans for golden wing warblers uh, preferentially um, focused only on the male habitats. So it's like you're only going to save half the species. Um, they weren't targeting uh, female habitats at all. And they found that this actually gets replicated across. There were 66 different species where they found only three species um, that actually took female habitat into account. Mm-hmm. By the way, we should kind of a side note, I guess, but we should probably point out that uh, not, not always are the males of a species more colorful than the females. Think of phalarope species, for example, and and lots of complications there about, uh, you know, how courtship and reproduction go with some of these other species. Yeah, I think our bias, again, is uh, kind of shaped by songbirds, just because those are um, kind of easy pickings when we're out birding, especially in migratory season. Uh, but like you said, Ray, lots of birds, um, they even if they show sexual dimorphism or differences between females and males, uh, it's not always the male who's more prominent or more vocal or more behaviorally interesting. Uh, so phalaropes, uh, fascinating birds because the females kind of run the whole breeding strategy. Uh, they get to the mating grounds first, they choose their male partners, and after they lay the eggs, they like vanish. They let the males do the care. Um, and they are also typically usually brighter and redder, um, although it depends on which species we're talking about. Um, and then we have raptors too, you know, uh, mo- in most species of owls and hawks and falcons and eagles, uh, the female will be slightly larger. Um, and the reason behind that is still kind of mysterious, uh, but people have some interesting uh, ideas behind for that. That was Prabita Saha along here with Martha Harbison, founders or co-founders of the Galbatross Project and Female Bird Day. Uh, we'll give that uh, address again or that way to find Female Bird Day here in a second. But Prabita and Martha, thank you so much and congratulations on a great project. Thank you. Yeah, come check us out. We will. And for anybody who wants to check out Female Bird Day, it's just easily found. Hashtag Female Bird Day. Hashtag female bird day thanks again to perbita and martha and up next here it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute beautyo books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world new used and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology from field guides to photography skills biography fiction and humor You'll find it all, along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for, in one convenient place. Beautyobooks.com. B-U-T-E-O. Beautyobooks.com. Hi, my name is John Ficken, and I have the privilege of living in St. Pete, Florida. You know, the thing I love about being a Talking Birds ambassador is that I get to have my little contribution to helping people understand and embrace nature and birds. I really encourage everybody who listens to Ray to become a Talking Birds ambassador. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. Just visit our website, talkingbirds.com. It's our mystery bird, and here it is. It's a fast and powerful flyer, mostly dark above and pale brown below, with a dark hooked bill and big wing patches that are visible in flight. Part one of our seagoing birds' nicknames is the same as that of a Major League Baseball team. Kind of gave away. It's the one in Pittsburgh, and its flight is kind of like that of 
The National Football League team, the one in Atlanta, our mystery bird is known to rob large seabirds of the fish they've caught. It will also devour small birds it catches on the wing, and it preys on chicks and even adults in breeding colonies of smaller seabirds. Our mystery bird contest is presented by Red Start Birding. Red Start Birding is your new resource for birding optics, gear, and expertise. Great birding starts at redstartbirding.com. So our prizes include the beautiful Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder that attaches right to your window, offering a clear, unobstructed view with nothing but glass between you and the birds. And our other prize is a $15 gift certificate for Beautio Books, home of one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. And the all-important phone number, which we urge you to call as soon as you can, is 781-837-4900. That's 781 781- 837-4900. Give us a call as soon as possible. No correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner, so give it a try. One more time, it's 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we'll check in with Mike O'Connor almost live from the archive. Let's ask Mike in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather. The flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. Shortly, we'll be saying thanks to Mike O'Connor because he's on the line with us there, we hope, from uh, the legendary Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod. I'm here. So, Mike, I understand that uh, you've been collecting some unusual bird names. Do I have that uh, right that you'd like to regale us with? Yeah, well, I think everybody has uh, yeah. bird names that they can kind of find funny. And some guy wrote into me, he, uh, he likes the limpkin, which is a, you know, southern kind of heron kind of bird. And uh, he thought that was a funny name. The limpkin actually gets its name from the way it walks. It does have a bit of a limp, at least in some people's eyes, so they call it a limpkin. I didn't know that. Yeah. I am writing it down. Limping limpkin. Got it. Okay. (laughs) Gets from the limp. Got it. So I did. I was writing a column, and I I came up with some things that I thought were funny. Um, I didn't include any, like, double entendre names, because that just seems... Then, you know, that's too easy. Okay. You, you have a sophisticated show, so we're not doing it. Of course, that. yeah, we, we don't go that, that low. And, yeah. and I think the old comedians back in the Henny Youngman days would all, you know, the go-to funny name bird was the yellow-bellied sapsucker. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, birds don't find that funny. They just find <laughs> it as a cool bird. So I went through some lists. I think his friend Freya would like these because they're from Australia. There's the tawny frogmouth, which, you know, yeah. conjures up all kinds of impressions, but it's a night-flying bird that grabs insects with their ginormous Mouth. Yeah, that's a, a weird-looking bird. It is kind of a weird-looking yeah, weird. bird. I think your friend David Clapp mentioned the great Galway bird from Africa when Africa. he was there. Yeah. Kind of, you know, I listened to the call a couple of times. I didn't really get it. Um, didn't sound like Galway to me, but 
you know, if anybody needs his go away a lot, it would be David Clapp. So <laughs> David, are you listening? He'll be calling in shortly. This is the oxymoronic uh, greater Pee-wee, which seems like a little <laughs> contradiction in terms. Uh, Indonesia has the invisible rail. Apparently, they can, you know, all rails are tough to find, but this mm. one is extremely really hard, hard to find. Yeah. And the snowing rail. Maybe My favorite could... bird is from the tropics of South America, and it's called the screaming peahaw. Ooh. It sounds like a crazy bird. Actually, it's kind of a bland, kind of a mockingbird, catbird kind of a thing. <laughs> but they get on these legs, and they have these little adorable, almost like pigeon coos they give before while they're, where they're giving their mating call. Just coo, coo. But then they erupt with this harsh, raspy scream. And if you see pictures online, it looks like the bird's going to explode almost. Their mouth gets wide open and they shrink down. And I'm going to attempt to play one. And then here you go. Stand by. Yeah. What was the name of that bird again? It's called the Screaming Peahaw. The Screaming Peahaw. Wow, that is... The Peahaw. And Peahaw, I think, is kind of a kind of a indigenous name meaning, you know, something. But there you go. So put that on your list of crazy birds to see. Screaming Peahaw from South America. All right. And if you want to find that invisible rail, you might uh, you might use the masked booby. You could uh, probably sneak up on it there. Sneak <laughs> right up on it. There you go. Thank you, Mike. Okay, talk, talk to you, you next later. week. Mike O'Connor there at the Birdwatchers General Store in Cape Cod. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Whether you enjoy birds in your own backyard or far afield, you'll find information in every issue to help you find, attract, identify, and understand birds. Regular contributors include Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and other birding experts. Learn more birdwatchingdaily.com Here we are back at the Mystery Bird Contest uh, trying to identify this bird that we're hearing right here. 781-837-4900 is the number to call to tell us what this fast and powerful flyer is that steals fish and other food from other birds. 781-837-4900 Jeff is in Hingham, Massachusetts. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Ray. It's your uh, loyal correspondent and talking bird ambassador in Hingham. Well, thank you so much for your correspondence and your ambassadorship. And thank, hey, you, thank you. And, and thank you for calling in on the contest sure. here. So you heard the clues in the sound there, uh, Jeff. Uh, now we just I picked need... it up on the very first clues there. Uh-huh. And it is? And now, I'm late for, now I'm late for church, but that's okay. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm dead serious. No, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, um, I saw one of these rip apart a pigeon on my work balcony on the 19th floor of uh, 75 State Street years ago. Oh my goodness, wow. Gathered a whole crowd in my office to watch this destruction. It was really amazing. Wow, (laughs) nasty viewing. So what do you think, uh, Jeff? Oh, I forgot to tell you that part. Um, Let's see. (laughs) Uh, I also want to thank Mike for making good on my missing um, copper hummingbird, but that's later. He's never live anyway. He's never live. I'm live. No, just teasing. It's a peregrine falcon. Oh, the peregrine falcon. Boy, what a lead into that whole thing there. But they, Thank you. Sorry. Jeff and... Uh, no, it's no. not the peregrine falcon. Oh, my God. Wow. Thank you. Next you, time. You, you almost talked me into it, though, I have to say. You were, <laughs> you, you certainly had the confidence there uh, about that. Thank you. Thank you. But, yeah, uh, I'll let you go. Sure. I know time is yeah. tight. 
Well, Thank listen, you. Listen, I'm gonna, I want to give you a chance to do the bonus question anyway. That way maybe you can get, oh. get, a, get a right answer here. Okay. Yeah. And this would give sure. you a, a $20 uh, gift card from Wisdom Supply oh. Company. Those plastic-free, zero-waste school and office supplies. Okay, oh, mul terrific. multiple choice question. A new discovery by scientists suggests that hunter-gatherers in New Guinea 18,000 years ago did what in connection with the cassowary, often referred to as the world's most dangerous bird? A, they made carved likenesses of the bird for necklaces. B, they collected feathers from the birds for roofing materials. C, they domesticated the birds by raising them from collected eggs or D, they ran screaming into the forest whenever they saw one. Those would be your choices. Wait, there's no, a, there's no all of the above? I'm sorry. There is no all um, of the above, no. I'm going to go with the uh, the third one there. Domestic I guess it was C. They domesticated the birds and raising them from collected yes. eggs. That's right. Yeah, it's kind what of That was a good job because that was a surprising answer, I think. Uh, okay. They're so scary. Jeff, stay on the line, and we'll make sure we get that to you. And thanks for calling in. Nice to talk to you, Ray. We are Take out care. of time Bye. this week. We're going to talk about birdability next week. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team. Debbie Before Major. you go, yes, give the correct answer. Oh, so thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Jesse. The great skewer was our mystery bird. Thank you, the great skewer. Uh, yes, thanks, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, Special Assistant Audrey Stack, and our producing engineer and good reminder person, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. BirdWatchersGeneralStore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. <laughs>